0: and welcome back to another episode of the Only Alchemy podcast. I know, I know, I know what you're all thinking. It's been a really long time (laughs) since we've had an episode and I want to firstly thank you for your patience because I know it's not fun waiting. I myself don't like waiting for episodes to drop on my personal favorite podcasts. Um, so thank you for being patient. I've been super busy, as you know, and I've mentioned I had a, a new job and, um, I'm loving it, but it's been taking up more time, which is totally fine because I expected that. Um, and so I'm just in an adjustment period where I'm adjusting between the balance of creating quality work for you. Um, because I don't want to just upload an episode just because, you know, it's due. Like, I want to make sure that the episodes are actually quality episodes with quality guests. I don't want to be putting out content that I don't support or that you know is like not up to my standard because i hold myself to a high standard that only just keeps getting higher <laughs> from where i started to now to i'm sure from a year from now it's going to be a higher standard even so um so yeah i just wanted to preface that before we jump into everything um where should we start? Should we start with my hot he- hot healing tip of the week? I know I said I would change that name, but that's really what it is for hot girls healing. It's my tip of the week. And this one is something that is quite simple, but something I haven't really done in a while or like put into practice. And that is the power of dressing To be the person that you want to be. It's really simple. Dressing as though you are that bitch. So recently on the 4th of July, I took advantage of the 4th of July sales. And also Amazon Prime Day sales. And I invested in some like really good pieces for my wardrobe that you know i just had needed to do i surprisingly like not (laughs) most women are not like this but surprisingly for me i do not like shopping i find shopping exhausting i find it like triggering there's so much about shopping that i find challenging and That sounds such like a first world problem and I want to really acknowledge that. I'm aware of that. But, you know, coming from a background in modeling, my body has changed so, so, so much and I'm happy with where it is, but it is not a size zero anymore and that's okay because it's healthy and it's happy and, you know, it is what it is. But I have to change my way of dressing to fit that. And that sounds really simple, but I think it's a really um, common thing that women go through when they go shopping is like, yeah, your body's probably changed since the last time you went shopping. I know my body fluctuates all the time. Like some years I'm below weight. Some years i'm like heavier and um it's not i don't want this to be like pro being skinny by any means i just want this to be like pro being comfortable in your own body and like pro being confident in your own body because what i found after purchasing some of these new items for my wardrobe was like i'm carrying myself differently i have more confidence i feel like more myself whereas like before due to the fact that i kind of don't love shopping i really put it off for way too long and now I'm in a place where I've got some really cool pieces in my wardrobe that I love and that have changed my energy. Like, I kind of always knew this, but I also kind of was like, eh, whatever, you know. I I spend majority of my time at home. I work at home, Um, you know. I just work from home. So, you know, I spend most of it at home. That's really the bottom line. But that, so, so my excuse was like, no one really sees me during the day except my dogs while I'm working, right? So I was like, why do I need, you know, a million different outfits? Like, let's just dress to be comfortable. And I'm not saying dress to be uncomfortable, but you can still get some really nice pieces that are comfortable, Um, so this probably may not be very revolutionary for a lot of you listening, like, duh, like, obviously this is, like, old news, but it's, uh, it's relevant to me this past week. So I have some new pieces in my wardrobe. Most of them are very flowy. There's not a lot of tight-fitting clothing. If there is, it's like a, it's like a tight t-shirt that's, like, very, like, comfortable, um but it's made a really big difference to my mood, to the way that I feel, like just everything. And so that's my hot healing tip of the week is like if you have the means to, which is also obviously like a point of privilege too, like it's not obviously a cheap thing to to update your wardrobe and I understand that like I really do but if you can throw $15 to getting a new shirt or like maybe you go thrifting or whatever it is like finding pieces that make you feel good um and investing in your wardrobe like I am gone of the days um from buying cheap shit that does not last, and that looks cheap after like three washes, I'm done with that. I'm investing in good long-lasting pieces that are staple items and it's much more sustainable for, you know, the planet and the environment. It's not buying into fast fashion. It's like actually buying Clothing that is quality and that's going to last you like 10 plus years rather than, you know, something that's going to fall apart in a year's time and like you're going to have to replace. So that's my tip of the week. Um. Anyway, let's move on to today's guest because today's guest is... Bethany Webster, and she's an expert in the mother wound. Now, this is a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a while, but I just don't know how to approach because I don't want this episode to come off like mothers, like I'm bashing mothers. That's not my intention at all mothers are human beings we have to acknowledge the fact that people have flaws and people are doing the best they can with the tools they have and i hate that expression because it's been used so much but it is true um i am not a mother to a child. I have two dogs. That is a type of a dog mom. I am not comparing that to to bringing up a human whatsoever. But um the small amount of responsibility that I have with these dogs, like I am already acutely aware of what it's going to be like to have a human child. And so part of this is like actually My intention is to equip mums, not just kids, but like mums to understand um, how they can better themselves through healing their own mother wound. Because we're basically just passing on our mums' traumas from generation to generation and it's just not a good cycle to be in. And... um. Yeah. So um anyway, we talk about a lot of different things in this episode. We talk about um how the mother wound shows up in relationships. The mother wound versus the father wound. We talk about siblings um having the same mother but like different relationships with her with them. We talk about triangulation. Um, again, the patriarchy, how society just does not set mothers up for success. There's so much to this episode. Um, Whether you have a really positive relationship with your mom or you have like a really negative relationship and that's really challenging and difficult for you, I think you're going to get a lot out of it if you're whatever end of the spectrum. And again, a reminder, you can be super grateful and love your mom with your whole heart and still have a mother wound. So I don't want you to conflate this with ungratefulness or, you know, hating mothers. Like this is the nuances are a it's complicated, let's just say that. Um anyway, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. This is the final episode for season 2. I want you guys to know that, okay? This is the final episode to season two. Season three will be out when I like decide it's going to be out. Season three, I have to actually decide on a um, a launch date for season three, but prepare for at least a month of um some silence from me in the sense that this episode will be the episode that's going to keep you going for at least a month. Um, and I'm doing that again to make sure that the episodes are quality, that I can schedule guests, and that there isn't just weeks of gaps between episodes. So season three will be really coming back with a bang and I'm gonna make some really amazing guests. Uh so yeah. Alright, that's that's it from me guys. Um as always you can email the podcast if you have any questions um or you can DM me and the email is onlyalchemypodcast at gmail or you can DM me on Instagram, the Only Podcast, if you have any questions or anything you want answered um, in a in a in a next episode. So, all right, love you guys, bye. I want to let you guys in on a little secret. I've been including medicinal mushrooms and adaptogens into my morning breakfast lion's mane to support focus cordyceps to support my physical performance throughout the day and give me some energy chaga and reishi to support my immune system and then cinnamon cacao and chai for taste and also antioxidants mood and then that little hint of caffeine Now, that sounds like a lot of ingredients to include into your breakfast, but I've just been using one scoop of mud water in hot water every single morning, and that, with a little bit of honey and milk, is just chef's kiss, and I'm telling you guys, I've been doing this since 2019, way before the podcast has even started, and I'm lucky enough to be able to partner with them, so now... I can share some amazing discounts with you guys so that you can also improve your morning routine as well. So if you're looking for a coffee alternative that does not give you any kind of anxiety or jitters or even a crash later on in the day, I highly recommend trying some mud water. I have a little discount code for you guys. It's 15% off with the code ALCHEMY and you can use that code SITEWIDE. I also have a link in my show notes and in my bio for you to click on and enjoy Mudwater. All righty. Hi, everyone. Today we have Bethany Webster with me, and she is the author of Discovering the Inner Mother. She's also a coach and speaker. And we're going to pick her brain about the mother wound. Bethany, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you because I feel like the mother wound, there's so much misinformation on it on Instagram and there's so much um, good information on Instagram. And I wanted to get an expert on it so that we can sort of differentiate between what's facts and maybe what's maybe a little bit of misinformation and all that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about you, your background, and how you actually got into this work?
1: Absolutely. Um, I was actually the first person to bring the, the phrase mother wound into the larger conversation. I started a blog in 2014 when I was going through a kind of explosion in my own relationship with my mother. And I had been in therapy for like 15 years at that point. And I was like, I need to talk about this. And because when I was going through it, there was no information. You know, I was looking around and I was like, why aren't more people talking about this? Because the more that I was working through it, um, the more I started having these amazing, like, things happen to me. Like, spiritually, I I felt more connected with my body. I felt more like just more energized, like the way I felt in my body changed, the way I felt about my place in the universe was changing. This is all organically happening. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like the missing piece. And no one is talking about the relationship between uh, a woman's relationship with her mother and the massive implications that that has on the rest of your life and so i was like darn it i'm gonna have to start writing about this i guess i'm gonna be that one so i started a blog on wordpress you know one of those fr- free you know, blogs first started and it just blew up like immediately i had women from the uk different countries even like eastern european countries serbia russia people were just like thank you thank you for talking about this because I am so going through this and I can't find information about it anywhere and I also, you know, got a lot of hate mail from mothers and people also who were like how dare you talk about mothers and what they go through, you know. So it was like that's I was expecting that. It was one of the reasons I was afraid. But the response I got from women was just like so powerful. Women really wanted this information. And um, so I blogged, like I was working at a university and I couldn't leave my job at the time. So I just wrote an article every two weeks for about a couple years. And um, while that was going on, I was going no contact with my own mom. And um, I can talk more about that later, but that was part of the picture. And then after, I think it was 20. I don't know 2014 i was able to leave my job i created a course and got certified in coaching and um, it just kind of grew from there and i started doing workshops around the world and so you know i was kind of the first one to bring this forward and it's been really cool to witness other people you know talking about this topic but i really what i would say is and i'm glad you sought me out because a person can only take you as deep with this as they have gone themselves so you know people can talk a lot of like psycho babble, but if you have not, this is complex stuff. This is like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of nuances. There's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of places you can get stuck. And so I am so like dedicated to helping women to kind of shorten, you know, accelerate the process and not have to get stuck in things like self-blame, feeling like an ungrateful person. I mean, that's what I did for years. I I knew that I had to look at my relationship with my mom, but I was terrified. Like, I think so many women are like, oh my God, am I a bad person? You know, does this make me ungrateful? Does this mean, um, you know, also just afraid of my own mother's response, you know, you know, and it took me years to build up to finally talk to my mom about our dynamic, but that was a powerful turning point. So I kind of coach women through how to address the dynamics with your mom and then also to do the internal work. Because once you get that external piece squared away, whether that's new boundaries or for some people it's no contact, once you get that straightened out, then the, the mother wound work goes inside. And it's about, okay, how do I deal with the mother inside myself? And you know how that can be like self-sabotage, self-doubt, um, you know things that happen in relationships, especially friendships or romantic relationships that all have their roots inside the relationship with our moms. So I think this is the most important work that women can do, because honestly, it's we're dealing, you know, it's not really about our moms. It's about ourselves. It's about how we became who we are, why we have certain tendencies, and what we can do about it to transform it. So I kind of see it like, in a way, it's 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 a rite of passage. Our society and our culture doesn't give us, especially, you know, women, we live in a patriarchal culture, which sees women as less than. So there's not a lot of support for women in differentiating right? Mm -hmm. Individuating into our own sovereign selves and what that means. So we have to create that ourselves. And that's what I've seen in the work that I do, that the women who do this work and they stay with it long enough, it's like you just give birth to yourself. You become a leader naturally, organically. It's not even something you need to work towards. It's just like when these things start to shed, you know, accumulated baggage and beliefs that aren't really yours, just things you've picked up on over the, over the time that you've been alive, you start to cultivate, you start to get to the root, which is like your true self. And then you, you stop being so scared of mm-hmm. being, being authentic, being true. It's, it's almost like your integrity becomes your North star and that's all that matters. And that is such a powerful place because you cannot be owned by anyone or anything when you have gotten down to your, your true self and you know what it feels like to have that alignment and that freedom and that liberation um, from that way of living. And that's really threatening to some older generations. Of course, you know, we're living at a time where the old ways don't work and the new ways aren't here yet. So we're like, I feel like this generation is like dealing with the accumulated baggage of the boomers and all of those generations that didn't have things like trauma healing and language for how to get to know oneself. So I feel like we're all pioneers right now.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you touched on the, the idea of being ungrateful, because I think that's a really big one that that stops people a lot of the time from diving into this type of work. And I myself, like, I've, I'm not a mother, like, there's so much where I know that when that day comes, I'm gonna be like, this is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. And obviously, I know it's a really, really tough job. It's the toughest job in the world, trying to raise a human. Like, I understand that. um, But it is definitely a hurdle to get over in terms of, like, how do I approach this? Whether it's, like you said, talking to my own mother or how do I even uncover it within myself without feeling like guilty or shameful or ungrateful that, that I'm even bringing it up in the first place.
1: Yeah, exactly. So for so many generations, women have felt like they don't have the right to have their own beliefs, their own fe- separate feelings. And then there's this whole cultural baggage around mothers, that mothers are always good, they're next to God, that mothers can do no wrong. And it really, in a way, is dehumanizing to mothers because it doesn't Mm -hmm. give them the complexity of being humans that can make mistakes and can be harmful. You know, that's part of our humanity. We all have the capacity to do harm. So our mothers, I think the mothers, our mothers, like the generation above us, silence themselves due to that cultural mandate. And so they feel like, who the hell does my daughter think she is to tell me that I have, you know, about anything that needs to be worked on in myself because that parental role, even religions, you have this myth that like, you cannot, it's a power dynamic that the parental role is sacred and, and that the child is always underneath and has to defer to the parent. And that's, that's malarkey. I don't think that that's not, that's not, that's not a whole humanity, you know, that's dehumanizing to children. So Mm -hmm. what I'm saying here is I'm getting to the fact that this is a, a value shift it's an identity shift and every daughter has the right to talk to her mother about something that doesn't feel okay and i think that's the paradigm that we're going into where you know our parents didn't have the resources or the wisdom or the insight into themselves so they really didn't have anything to offer us especially yeah. when they were young younger you know they didn't have like the wisdom of like oh yeah i'm feeling triggered by my daughter because of what my mom did to me like they didn't know that they just saw you as the problem <laughs> you
0: know yeah exactly i think i mean pre internet i I mean, I mean i'm like i don't blame them really because there wasn't right. really the information and and now however i feel like we're going forward towards like there isn't really much of an excuse anymore because of the accessibility of this information whether that's the internet or telehealth or therapy or whatever it might be yeah. um but so before before we keep going because i, I want to make sure everybody's on the same page can you give some like really common examples of what might be a mother wound
1: yeah absolutely so because i define it a really specific way that might be different from how other people define it um and by the way this is all in my book um called discovering the inner mother a guide to healing the mother wound and claiming your personal power so if any of this is something you want to explore i highly recommend that book because it's a total like comprehensive introduction but the way i define the mother wound is there's four levels to it the first level is the personal mother wound which is the most important one um and the, the mother wound is basically the ways that we learned to conflate like our basic human needs for love safety and belonging with the cultural mandate that you stay small silent and self-sacrificing as a woman so our mothers passed down to us some of them with the best of intentions like to keep us safe with messages like don't rock the boat don't be too big don't ask for anything for yourself you know like we got these messages from our mothers like how to survive as in a female body in the world and a lot of it was harmful or oppressive right Um, so that's one part of it and that was part of our love for our mother you know we want to obey and we need our mother's approval when we're children we have a biological imperative to bond with our mothers so if there was any of those cultural messages i just said or trauma so if your mother had any, any other um unhealed trauma if she was a trauma survivor herself she that's also part of the mother wound so it's cultural and your mom's trauma comes down and gets mixed with your need to bond with her so you didn't just bond with your mom in her body you needed her to survive but you also bonded with her beliefs you also bonded with her world yeah. and so this is in the this is flowing through our our veins it's part of our blueprint and so the month we all have the mother wound to some degree it's it's on a spectrum depending upon how traumatized your own mother was how much she had to internalize those cultural messages that say women are less than um that really depends on how severe your mother wound is and the reason why we all have it the larger atmosphere is patriarchy like I said and I define it super broadly some people are like what do you mean by patriarchy and I just simply mean a culture that believes that women are less than yeah yeah and that's an atmosphere that corrodes a mother daughter relationship. It distorts it into a power dynamic where it's like only one of us can be lovable or powerful. And it's very unspoken, often under the surface, where we sense like, oh, I can't threaten my mother, you know, or I can't threaten her power, or, you know, certain unspoken contracts or dynamics with your mom that make you feel small, little, or even used or exploited, you know? So it could be things like codependency with your mother, or it could be your mother feels rejecting and distancing to you. Or so basically, and this is pure developmental psychology 101. However, a mom treats her child is how that child starts to treat herself. That's just how we, as human beings, how we develop. So whatever stuff wasn't feeling good or healthy or normal in that relationship, we have to adapt to that. So a lot of the things that we struggle with as women, like not feeling good enough, feeling like something's wrong with me, um, people-pleasing behaviors, these all originated from that early relationship, either to cope with what was happening in our childhood homes or with... um, Yeah, to cope with the trauma, whatever level we experienced, um, and to also get our mom's approval mirror to her, what she believed, so that we could have that bond with her. So, and many of us didn't know anything different. You know, we just grew up in our homes. We thought this is normal. And so we just like, it's like the raw material of our sense of self is from our moms. And this is not to blame moms or make them wrong or think that this is just humanity. This is how humanity is set up. The moms are primary.
0: I'm so glad that you you said that because that's one of the reasons I think it's taken me so long on the podcast to like talk about this because it is not nec- I don't want it to come across like blaming mothers, I do not want it to come across like all mothers right. are bad, nothing like that. It is just simply where society has gone where it's going and if you seriously think about it like what I think back to when my mother was a little girl the the society back then like it's crazy to me how much progress we've made since that time and even her mother like the past century 100 years of her mother's childhood to her to her to now me is the leaps and bounds that society has made like no wonder there's so much um wounding between the two because of those huge changes like i know that um my grandmother was of the time where children should be seen and not heard like all of that sort of thing and i know that my mom struggled with that and so there's only so much she can do with me as well and so i just want to make sure that is really clear that i'm not trying to bash moms i know that's not the intention here but i think it's really important to learn like these learnings from however many years prior so that we can change it for future children
1: right Exactly, exactly. Well put. Yes, there's a taboo of questioning mother and no daughter wants to look like she's in cahoots with patriarchy and blaming mothers, you know, so that that is a silencing thing. And so many women are terrified to talk about their pain. And, you know, that's a tragedy because it means like there's thousands or millions of women around the world who are suffering and their suffering isn't going to be helped unless it's looked at. So it's like the silence of the around the mother wound keeps everybody imprisoned and held hostage to the pain of the mother wound and their lineage. So it just gets passed down. The pain gets passed down. So this work is not for the faint of heart. You know, it, it does have nuance. Some people don't see it. They're just like, this is mother blaming. And it's like, no, it's not, because, you know, we can't change society's view of women if we keep ourselves silent. We can't really and that's what women really need is our own voices we need to feel free to be our full complex multi-layered selves in the world and if we just keep idealizing mothers you know it's not just idealization it's also blame like society either thinks mothers are perfect or they're crap and they're blamed for everything it's a very black or white type of relationship a type of image and I think as we heal the mother wound we start to open up this conversation around mothers being multifaceted, complex being. We're full human beings. Yeah. And their role is not just to be the best mother. And so that, you know, it's like that silence almost serves the denigration of mothers.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like women in general, mother or not, are blamed for so much. Like if you have an opinion or you have a very strong boundary, all of a sudden it's your fault. Like there's so many so difficult dramatic just like there's so many words that get thrown around um how do you feel as though like the media and film and tv have like played a role in terms of whether we've portrayed mothers in that light like how has that come into play for a lot of this
1: yeah I think it's it just plays into the silence piece. But I do see some hope. Like, I do see that there are some movies and shows that do show more of a complex relationship. Um, and some of them do show the mother wound. Like, <clears throat> I don't watch a lot of these shows, but I've heard about them. Like, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. Sharper Thing, uh, sharper, sharper Objects, Sharp Objects, something like that.
0: I know one show I've watched. Many times I've like rewatched his Working Moms. Have you seen that?
1: I haven't seen it. On Netflix
0: it. with Katherine Reitman. It's a great okay. show. Is it? Uh-huh. And it shows all these different women, and every single one of them has a different, obviously, storyline of their relationship with their child and their relationship as a mother. And it's, it's very funny as well. It's comedy. But they, they address a lot of really cool topics. But... I can't recall any other shows that have done that in a really long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was one, I'm thinking of one show that really stood out to me. It was called, um, unorthodox. No, it was called orthodox. And there was a really powerful mother wound scene where the woman, uh, this young girl needs her mom's help. And she calls the house mm-hmm. and her grandmother actually answers. And she's like, help me. The daughter's like, help me. I need your help. And the the grandmother just literally clicks. So, and it was like, wow. Um, So I think there is hope that like some, some shows are showing the complexity and the pain of mother daughter relationships. Um, And some of them are just showing the myth of like, women just being kind of underneath this role of like these are our roles and this is what we have to be like i know i recently watched um gilmore girls for the first time i had never seen that and it's like wow the codependency is so there between the, the enmeshment between laurel yeah. and forgot her name the daughter um that was sad and disturbing but you know pop culture that was you know it kind of shows how normalized that that's almost seen as like an ideal relationship is the enmeshed mother and daughter. And I, that seems like kind of what people expect is like, if you have a good relationship with your mom, you're best friends with her. And that is actually really unhealthy because what we really want is to have that developmental milestone, which is called differentiation. So we bond with our mothers in the best of situations. There's like a healthy bond where we feel safe, secure, And then when we get through like teen years and early adult, we start to differentiate. We start to feel different from our moms and how Mm -hmm. we might have different worldviews or beliefs and desires, and that that's okay with the mom. But what often happens is for many mothers who experienced hardship or have a mother wound themselves, they might see their daughter's differentiation and launch into her own life as very threatening. And so she might unconsciously try to thwart The daughter, whether through negative comments, um, sometimes a lot of times it's very unconscious. The mother doesn't even know she's doing it, but she's kind of holding her daughter back because that affirms her role as a mother. And it gets away from, it kind of eliminates that threat of, whoa, what if my daughter surpasses me or goes beyond me and does something, you know, it kind of highlights to the mother what she missed or what she lost in her own life. And, you know, the healthiest of mothers would take that feedback and say, wow, yeah, I've got some work to do. I'm feeling triggered by my daughter. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to go to therapy and deal with that. But unfortunately, with some of the moms of older generations, they actually make the daughter a problem and make the daughter feel guilty for either being happier than her or, you know, will bring the daughter into kind of a more of an enmeshment place. Like, you need to be my, you need to take care of me. You need to make me the center of And I hear that a lot from women. They're like, how do I have compassion for my mother and have my own life? Like, how can I deal with my anger towards her when she makes me feel responsible for her when that's not really my role? Yeah. So it really comes down to, with healing the mother wound, a lot about boundaries. So how can we have healthy boundaries with our moms so that we can have a relationship that works for us rather than feeling like we're enmeshed with our moms?
0: I think it's really interesting the time of, like when kids become teenagers and then their emotional maturity starts catching up with their parents, I find that like just from my own experience and just in general, really, really interesting because when you're kids, like obviously you don't know any different, so you just assume that your your parents know everything and that everything they say is correct and right. And And then as you start to like emotionally mature, sometimes or oftentimes your emotional maturity may surpass your parent role. And that dynamic then is like, how do I navigate this? Like now you almost feel like the adult in the relationship and that's a really strange dynamic that I don't think a lot of people know how to navigate and maybe it does come back to to the boundaries like you said but i don't know if you have anything to add to that or talk to
1: definitely i'm so glad you brought this up because the the topic of immature parents is a really big one and it's a new concept there's a book um lindsey gibson wrote a book called adult children of emotionally immature parents. And I recommend yeah. this book, I'm sure you've had it. Yeah. It's a really- <laughs> Great like, book. Oh my gosh, this is what I'm dealing with, you know? And so you can start to recognize the signs, right? Of like, oh, this is emotional immaturity. Um, and for many of us who had parents that maybe became parents young or haven't done any work on themselves, these are the kind of behaviors that they have. And so I think it's good to recognize what emotional immaturity is, not only in our parents, but anyone. Um, because then you can start to be strategic about how you interact with your parents Um, because it's it's easy to slip into either being a therapist or a counselor for your parent or just being perpetually angry with them or you know there's a lot of just kind of cul-de-sacs you can get stuck in so i think if we have if you realize your mom or your dad or both of them is emotionally immature it's a real opportunity for growth because you can start to differentiate from them like This is what I know I can do, the relationship I can have and the relationship that maybe I longed for that I can't have with them because they cannot meet me at that level. I think that's a lot of the work that I do in my coaching is helping women to like come to terms with, you know, the mom I want and the mom I have, and they are sometimes very different. And the Mm -hmm. child in us, the inner child is like, I want my good mom. You know, I just want to, I call it the impossible dream. You know, if I just do X, Y, Z then my mom will finally see me and understand me. And then we'll have that good relationship that I want. And the truth of the matter is that whatever your mom is giving you is showing you that's her best. This is it. This is all she can give you. And you can't bank your happiness on her changing because for the most part, they won't. If, yeah. if she's not on a path of growth, some do, but most don't. So it's like kind of grieving the mom you have. and And in that process though, you get to feel liberated. Because you stop making your well-being contingent on your mom being a certain way.
0: Okay, Does let's that make talk- sense? Yes. I'm glad you brought grief up because I wanted to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I have touched on this before in a previous episode, which was more so like grieving a parent that's still alive, which is something that doesn't get like really understood very well. Um, mm-hmm. Because most of us think death is you have to be dead to, to grieve someone um, so how does that well there's so much to this question, so I'm just trying to think yeah. where we can start. Basically, like how does that show up? Because I feel like a lot of this type of grief from what I've heard, seen and experienced myself, is you don't even recognize it as grief until like almost like it's past and you're looking back. Does that make sense?
1: Um, yeah, it does. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a really devastating grief and we have to be kind of ready for it in a way. Like sometimes the the struggles that a lot of people have with their mom is in defense of the grief. They're not ready to accept. Yes. Okay. So that more denial, maybe. Yeah. Like they might be, we have to be ready. We have to be psychologically sturdy enough to be able to comprehend and digest a very significant thing, which is that the parent we have is not the parent we thought we had or that we could have. And so that that's a very mature type of realization. And so it can take a while. Um, sometimes for some people, it's very precipitated by an incident. So for example, in my case, one of the things that, um, you know, your mother says something to you that's just like, oh my God, I would never allow anyone to say this to me, but my mother's saying it to me. So something like, you're not my daughter, you know, in my situation, I set try to set a boundary very respectfully and calmly to my mom. And she basically said, I don't know who you are. You're not my daughter. And it was like, wow, you know, as soon as I speak up for myself, she has nothing to do with me. So it was very painful, but it was very clear. I'm like, wow, I always intuited that there was a power dynamic going on, but now it's like on the wall, the writing on the wall. So I had to Real, I mean, I could have just tried to forget it, but I just couldn't. I was just like, wow, I have to grapple with this. So there's a lot of implications for grieving that, you know, your parent can't change. They can't be different. This is who they are. And um, so, yeah, sometimes it's precipitated by an event, but sometimes it can happen very gradually. Um but I think it's the biggest thing. I think this work is all about grief, honestly. It's all about grief, because like you said, when we're growing up as kids, we think it's normal. And then we have to go through this dis- disillusionment process where we start to see, oh my god, that was not normal. And I've had, you know, it's taken me years. Like, in e- the more healthy you become, the more you can handle the horror. Yeah. Um, you know what you went through and look with my inner child the work that i've done just personally it's just like sometimes saying to the inner child yeah it was that bad it was that bad and and i'm with you in that so the more we can comprehend the true magnitude of the horror that we went through we, we it's like the freer we can become because and as you heal you you almost have to grieve as you keep going because you start to realize your worth you're like, wow, I was such a precious child, or I was so innocent, or Mm -hmm. you start to like have a new relationship with yourself as you heal more accurate reality based, uh, clear perception of yourself. And so that always brings a little more grief, like, wow, I can see myself clearly. And I can empathize more deeply with the younger versions of myself that were in a in a really difficult situation. Does that make sense?
0: Totally makes sense. And you guys, when I think about the fact that I used to get in my car um, and drive to therapy as a depressed and anxious girl, I honestly cannot believe it. Like, the irony that people who suffer from depression have to will themselves to get out of bed and then battle with parking and traffic and waiting rooms only to talk to their therapist for an hour not to mention the emotional roller coaster of health insurance. Um I'm over it. Why don't we make mental health easier and more accessible? Well, there is someone who does that and that's Better Help. Thank you Better Help for sponsoring this episode. Better Help is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With Better Help you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. So to get started, just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. Um, And you can always switch therapists. If you don't feel like your therapist is a match, that's okay. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. I can't tell you how easy this is. To get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, go to betterhelp.com forward slash onlyalchemy. That's betterhelp.com slash onlyalchemy. I think one thing that I wanted to touch on was there's so many different situations and circumstances like every family is completely different there are single moms that are just trying to keep a roof over your head and they're doing their best they can there's families that have affluent wealth that have you everything that you could ever want and yet there's so much similarity between people's like core wounding with with their parents so I'm trying to <laughs> To touch on sort of like all different maybe common aspects but i want to touch on one particular thing that i think all families do often not maybe not all but it's common which is sweeping things under the rug yeah. why is that so detrimental for a child or for a family to do
1: yeah it's a big one the reason it's so detrimental is it basically invisibilizes or erases the child the child's feelings, the child's perceptions. It tells the child to not believe themselves, to not trust their eyes and ears and their feelings and say, you know, so it almost like disables that connection the child is forming with their own system to trust their perceptions. Um, and family narratives are very powerful, you know, it's people believe, you know, <laughs> especially where there's like abuse or trauma happening in the home um, or the other parent is in denial and the other one is a perpetrator. So it's like, in a way, it's a kind of brainwashing. It's saying, don't listen to yourself, listen to me. I'm the powerful parent. And so what I say is reality. So as healing adults, we have to reclaim our own reality. We have to reclaim our own perceptions as valid. Um, And, you know, sweeping under the rug, i had i came from a family especially my mother's side very much into that about image and prestige and um and we don't talk about those things Um, and that never happened like things you saw happen and someone says oh that didn't happen like that level so um the reason why people do that is because they don't have any tools they feel shame about it they feel shame they don't know how to process that shame and so it's easier to make the child who's in an inferior lower level of power to make them. Um, wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, because the parent has that power that the child doesn't. So um, yeah, putting things under the rug. And a lot of older generations believed, literally believed that it was noble. It was a noble thing to be silent about abuse and, and that you're protecting the family or that it's the family's honor um, that's at stake. And so you have to and i think this is comes from really old origins you know like tribal mm-hmm. level um when our survival depended on cohesion of groups and if someone raises their hand and says this is wrong then they threaten the safety of the entire group yeah so it has that safety component so the person who's speaking the truth and oftentimes it's the healthiest person in the family system who's saying <laughs> this is wrong. (laughs) You know, the whistleblower is like the healthier one. And they often get pathologized and told that they're wrong or bad or crazy. You know, women have been told we've been crazy forever. So, um, but they're usually the one that sees the emperor has no clothes or, you know, so we, it's a powerful thing to advocate for your own perceptions and your own beliefs. And I think that's why it's such a threat to older generations because think about it. Um, for women who didn't have a voice or, you know, had to suppress a lot of pain to have a relationship with their mothers, they had to give up a lot of themselves to function in that kind of half-life state, you know? And so for a mother to see a daughter, just say, I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm not abandoning myself the way that you did. I want to be whole and healthy. And yeah. I, I deserve that. The the mother has to handle and reevaluate all of her choices and decisions. And many mothers don't have the the capacity or the psychological coherence to be able to, to do that kind of deep inner work. So it's easier for them to make the daughter the problem. Now I'm sharing all this so that you know where it comes from, that it's nobody's, it's not your fault as a daughter. If you're like, I've tried everything with my mom and I want her to see me and understand me. I'm good, I'm coming from a good place. Yes, you are, and your mom is just, not interested or able to see that and that's in her that's an issue in her it's not an issue in you that you have to keep trying to fix you know what i'm saying i think a lot of people stay on that treadmill of like what can i do to improve this relationship and for many of us we have to accept that the relationship is going to be less than we want It might be superficial but calm um or some moms we have to detach from to be healthy we have to choose our own lives
0: yeah I think that's the hardest choice as well, because that's, um, you know, that again, internal guilt or feeling ungrateful and everyone always reminding you, oh, you only have one mother and all that sort of thing. And um,
1: I want to say something about that, because I think that's really important. Yeah. You, if you have, if your something your mother is doing is not okay with you, it feels unhealthy, it doesn't feel right. That does not mean you're not grateful. Mm -hmm. You can be so grateful to your mom for all the good that she could give you and have a very valid reason to be upset or feel like you want to work through something with her. Those two things are not in conflict with each other. You can even love your mother and have great gratitude and appreciation, and you get to have boundaries. You get to have standards for how people interact with you. Because you're a daughter doesn't mean you have to be a doormat or a punching bag. Or a dumping ground for your mother, so yeah. I start to I teach women how to become fierce about their value and get to, that they ha- get to have standards. Yeah, and you have to be willing to allow your mom to be pissed off at you and angry that you feel that you love yourself enough to have standards and have boundaries. Let your yeah. mom be pissed about that; she will survive that disappointment.
0: Yeah. Do you know no, what I'm saying? I, no, I totally <laughs> understand what you're saying. And while you were saying that, I was thinking about why is it so often that siblings will have a different like recollection of their mother growing up? Or maybe like they could have very similar, maybe they're a year apart. Maybe they're the same gender as well, but they have completely different memories of their mom. Maybe one has a really great relationship. Maybe one doesn't.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's definitely common. People growing up in the same home, totally different realities. And there's a few different reasons for that. One is a parent can have like a different relationship with a child because the child can trigger them or bring up things for them in different ways. So like... Like, for example, there's some moms that, you know, their son reminds them of a, you know, some, their dad who abused them or something like there could be, yeah. we don't know what the is happening in a, in a parent's head. And so they can treat their kids differently from the two of them. And I think a lot of parents would admit that, you know, there's some kids I feel really connected with just inherently and some that are more difficult and we don't have such a easy bond. Um, and yeah, And sometimes there's moms who, you know, we have to talk about these things. There are moms who had really toxic relationships with their own mothers who do things like triangulation and pitting uh, siblings against each other and creating drama because it gives the, the mother, you know, it could be like a narcissistic mother, gives her a sense of power to see her, her kids fighting over her or vying for resources mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, it could be unconscious, but sometimes you know, there's people with personality disorders and, and that run in families and, you know, these things happen. Okay. So, so
0: let's touch on triangulation. Cause I'm really glad you brought that up. Okay. Um, what does that look like in families? And well, so let's start there actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. Triangulation just describes when there's three people and there's usually one of them is in a position of power uh, over the other two. So not always though, but basically what in a mother-daughter situation, um, and unfortunately this is really common where if there's like two, sis- two sisters mm-hmm. and the mother can sometimes play the daughters off of each other or tell one daughter something, try to create an alliance. So there's one person who's on the outside And the two other people have like an alliance that excludes the third person. And that could be maintained through lies, stories, narratives that exclude the other person. Mm -hmm. Um, That's basically what triangulation is. It's creating a triangle where one person is on the outside. And for people that grew up with that, like, and, and that's about power. Again, this is about power, power dynamics. Um to add a nuance to this, I realized, you know, in my own healing journey that I was in a triangle with my mother's inner child, you know, her inner child was kind of running the show all the time, almost like, almost like, uh, in competition with me. Yeah. And so whenever I was spontaneously confident or maybe unashamed and happy or something, she would want to squash me down because her child inside felt threatened by that. Um, so you can even have that triangulation where you feel like you're in competition with your mother's inner child and you can't win that because the mother has the status of parent. So she can always push you down. Now, these Mm -hmm. are shadow dynamics we're talking about of, this is the mother wound in action. These are shadow things that can happen with moms who, you know, have, you know, trauma histories themselves and haven't done any healing work. They play, it's kind of like whatever we don't work through, we repeat. Yeah. And and so moms who are healthier and I'm so happy to see this, you know, there's a lot of new kinds of parenting, conscious parenting these days where p- mothers are really taking responsibility and saying, I'm the adult in this relationship and I have to take responsibility for my history if I want to have a healthy relationship with my child because those triggers that happen with your child are about you. They're your work to do.
0: Yeah. And then you so know. what happens when you're both adults when the child is now an adult? the parent's an adult, and now there's two adults in the room.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. And the exciting thing is that you can start to step, step into your sovereignty and differentiation with your mother. And often there's some kind of turbulence that happens around this, this differentiation process, because our culture tells us mothers and daughters should be enmeshed and should be best friends. And, you know, so that's what we're up against. Um So it's all about setting boundaries, like I said at the beginning of our our talk, you know, how to set boundaries, how to communicate respectfully and calmly about your experience, to have a voice in the relationship, Mm -hmm. and to feel entitled to, you know, having standards for how your mom talks to you, you know. Um, That's what being an adult is in a relationship with your parent.
0: And so how does the mother wound show up in more so romantic relationships?
1: Yeah. I mean, we tend to, it really does. they <laughs> will just say that. Like it really does. Whatever we haven't, whatever, you know, cr- our growing edge is, we'll find <laughs> in our relationship. So, and I haven't heard, I've heard this so many times, like I married my mother or like my parent is doing the same thing as my mother. Yeah. Uh, so it could be something like it, trying to enmesh with you or someone who keeps you at a distance. Um, so the goal in romantic relationships as as i see it is that each person in the relationship takes responsibility for their inner child yeah right you're you're in a relationship with another adult and two adults and the child inside of each of you is the responsibility of yours i think what tends to happen is like we get into a romantic relationship and we just hand our inner child over to the other person you know like make me feel special make me feel wanted you know give me the things that my parents didn't give me and of course, that's completely unconscious. We don't, yeah. but it's really exciting to become conscious of these things because then instead of putting that projection all on our partner, which is an incredible, impossible ask of another adult, you know, the time for us to get those needs met from another adult is over. It was in childhood. We cannot ask. It's not fair. And it's impossible to ask another adult to be our parent, you know, effectively. So it's, it's really empowering, I think, to be, really conscious about and have a deep bond with your inner child and to support your, you know, the partners support each other in being the best parent to their own inner children, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: So what would be some examples that men and women might notice in relationships where the mother wound is coming up?
1: Yeah. I would look at what, what are your biggest fears? What are your biggest longings? Mm. What are your biggest fears and what are your biggest longings? Because usually those are, and they can be feel really vulnerable. You know, they could be things that are hard to even admit to oneself. But I think that's a good question. Like, how do you feel around this person and what's, what's coming up for you? So for example, it could be like, um, noticing that you, kind of suppress yourself around this person, or you notice that you kind of perform a little bit for them, like some people pleasing is coming out, or it could also be something like, um, wanting to keep them at a distance, you know, something about them feels threatening, or it doesn't feel safe to be close with them. Yeah. Um, so I would just pay attention to what are you noticing in that relationship? What is, what is triggering you? And how does that link back to your dynamic with your mom? And what is your inner child looking for from this person? What is your inner child longing for from your partner? Mm. You know, sometimes it's really simple things like, I want to feel important. I want to feel like the most special one to this person. You know, these are all healthy, normal needs of a child. But it's just like, wherever we can, we can give them to our inner kids. Yeah. But we can't expect that person to do it, you know?
0: Yeah, as women, I feel like in relationships, the father wound, or as people, I say, daddy issues is the one that gets thrown around a lot, whether it's like (laughs) someone being really promiscuous or just like really wanting some validation and attention, all that sort of thing. How can you differentiate between daddy issues or the father wound and then the mother wound?
1: yeah i think it's really personal to the person so like i said look at what's coming up what's triggering you what feels unsafe yeah and then how does that link back to either parent usually it stands out you know so for example if you're a woman i'm thinking of an example here who whose dad was really passive and really kind of unemotional and not really emotionally available Are you picking men that replicate that so that you can be, you know, the impossible dream of I'm going to get daddy to see me. You know, we tend to repeat what we want to repair. There's a part of us that wants to Mm. resolve our childhood stuff, um, with a romantic partner, you know, because, and it makes sense, you know, our parents were our primary attachment figures. So and when we're in a romantic relationship, that's also our primary attachment figure. So, um, just becoming aware of it, is really your point of power. that's that's the empowerment is your awareness of it. When we're not aware of it, it, it can own us and we can yeah. create all kinds of problems. but the more you can be aware of it and not in a like shaming way on yourself, more like I, I see it as an adventure. you know it's like what's coming up from my history to be resolved? And what's the most empowering response that I can bring to it? Like what can I do differently? that would be really healing to myself and feel really empowering to my adult, you know? Like every situation in our relationships is an opportunity to be more sovereign and Mm -hmm. to love in a way that frees the other person and frees ourselves as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I see it as an adventure. This is humanity. This is what we're built and everybody has our issues and um, see it as an adventure, you know, and the more internally you feel safe, your inner child feels safe, the more free and kind of exciting it can feel.
0: Yeah. So I feel like just through this conversation and, and I have thought of this previously as well of like the amount of pressure there is on whether it's mothers or parents, more so I guess mothers to to raise good human beings and to raise like, you know, it really if you follow the, the the trail back, it's always back to how did your childhood look? All of that sort of thing. And that en masse creates like society as a whole because we're all reliving our our traumas, whether it's big or small. So how
1: mm-hmm. can we
0: support mothers in doing mm-hmm. the best that they can to create the best version of their children.
1: Yeah, I'd say mothers need tons of need and deserve yeah tons of support. So yeah, and that's what I ask, you know, that's what I say to all moms, like, in your power, in whatever way you can try to get as much support as you can. Um, ask for it. Yeah, feel worthy of it. And um, the relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship in your life because it determines all the quality of all these other relationships. So even if you can have like 10 minutes alone a day, mm-hmm. that might be a lot for some people, yeah. for some moms, maybe not even possible. But how can you carve out a little sanctuary for you and yourself, you know, every day, some way, uh, because that's a lifeline. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we lose ourselves in the demands the demands of society upon us. And I also say for people that are not mothers, we need to give moms everything, you know, like I hope one day before, you know, before I pass away, there's like things like maternity leave yes. and <laughs> universal health care and, you know, like so much support. Like I really believe that could be possible, you know, where we, everybody deserves to be happy and fulfilled and have money and a home. And, you know, so I hope that, on that level we're working towards giving moms all the cultural and monetary support but then internally moms have to be i encourage moms to be fierce and just like say what you need advocate for it uh feel worthy of it and um you know that relationship with yourself is really the key
0: so pour
1: as much as you can into yourself and your kids are going to benefit from it
0: absolutely yeah I think so many different like societal structures need to change to just support moms. Like you said, maternity leave is a huge one. Um quite recently, I've like witnessed some new moms go through that transition and I'm like again, I I say this to my best friend all the time. We're like we both don't have children. I'm married, she's in a significant relationship, and we were were both full time jobs all that, and we're like, I don't know how we even find the time to like add in a little person into this as well like yeah it's, it's mind boggling to me how much we expect of parents to like work a full-time job, raise kids, make dinner, like the whole structure is is bananas to me.
1: Bonkers. Totally. Yeah, yeah totally. And and that's also a reason why I also suggest people think long and hard about having a kid. Because yeah. like I always thought I was gonna have children. I know I was married thought, yes, I'm going to have kids. I felt that fever, that baby fever. And then after a while, the more I healed and the more, you know, I, I was just like, whoa, I could do so many other things besides pour all of my energy into another person. I could have a house in Italy. I could travel or I could, you know, like I, I have so much resources in my, yeah. my being that are so amazing that I could put towards anything. Do I really want to put it into motherhood? Because it's it's like it's such an output and it's an output for 18 years at least and Mm. it's more our society puts more on you than is humanly possible so I I advocate for thinking long and hard about it and I'm so happy with my choice I love not being a mom I love having so much time and space and I feel like I serve moms best because I have the time and energy to think about these things, to write about them, to advocate for them. So I think moms and non-moms, you know, really can all help women as a whole. And we need childless women as well, because moms can't do another thing, you know, like we can support moms in the work that we do without being moms, if that makes sense. My fear is that
0: the people, this sounds funny, but I fear that the people who are really emotionally in touch, who don't choose to have children, should be the ones having children, because the ones just, like, popping out babies for whatever reason, whether it's intentional or not, I'm like, do they have the bandwidth? I don't know, like, that's my other fear of, like, do you know what I mean? It sounds funny, but...
1: No, I do. I absolutely do. And I think every, you know, that's again, a future thing I hope for is that our culture really gives women this time and space to think about motherhood and their choices about whether they want to have kids or not. And that's, that's so many of my friends as well have said, nobody told me how hard this is. Yeah, Like this is freaking brutal. And, um, and there's a reason why, because women are strapped when they have kids, they don't have, the time to do a lot of other things, like think about political revolution, and, yeah. you know, and all these other things. Like, you know, it's really serves the status quo for women to just be barefoot, pregnant at home or strapped for time and, and you know, just surviving. And, oh, that really makes me angry, but it, it yeah. makes me really passionate about women get to choose. We get to choose if we wanna be moms and when. And that's, of course, the thing that's been taken away. I was about Um, to say, kind of these days. (laughs) Yeah, there's a really regressive thing that's happening where the old is dying and it's trying to destroy everything progressive um, as it goes down.
0: Yeah. And so
1: we're living through this. And I think it's temporary. I think we're going to go through like almost a renaissance where things are going to come together, but we have to stay strong talking about these things because- there's a real regressive, and this happens throughout history. If you look through like even before World War II in like Paris and Germany, there were, you know, LGBTQ people were like on fire. There was creative, there were women living together. There were people having, you know, in drag and dancing and poetry. And and then World War II came, it was just like, it's that regressive arm. So it's like we evolve as humans in this kind of dialectical way. We move forward and then we move back and move forward and we move back. And I think we've made a lot of ways forward, like you said earlier, last 100 years, whoa. And now the world is changing so much that kind of like regressive arm is coming back to try to pull it down. So we gotta stay strong as we live through these uncertain times.
0: (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So speaking of staying strong, where can people find you and, um, make use of your resources?
1: Yeah, you can come to my website. It's, uh, www.bethanywebster.com. And I've got a blog there with dozens of articles. I've got, uh, lots of mini courses I just opened up and I have one on the inner teenager that's going to be coming out, um, Mm. later this summer, healing inner teenager. Um, And I've got a course there on sovereignty. And these are just like intro courses that you can check out. But my main course is called Healing the Mother Wound. And it has like seven steps, like the milestones that you need to go through to heal the mother wound. And um, that's like my landmark course. And thousands of women have gone through that. And there's like a global community. Um, Recently, I've had women from like Kuwait and (sighs) India and all these countries buying the course. So it's like this is – I feel like it's really – This is something we're all going through is how can we dismantle patriarchy and how can we heal the mother wound which is those places that we were conditioned to oppress ourselves and abandon ourselves so as we heal that we become more sovereign more empowered and more capable of leading you know the new world that's being birthed as we speak so um definitely check that out um that's called healing the mother wound it's the online course and i also offer coaching as well but you can find all of that on my website which is bethanywebster.com
0: Amazing. That sounds awesome. Bethany, thank you so so much. I'm upping my self-care game in 2023, you guys. And how am I doing that? Well, I'm using Higher Dose products. If you haven't heard of Higher Dose, Higher Dose is the number 1 holistic recovery brand offering wellness technology, supplements, and rituals that support your well-being from the inside out. And their products are all grounded in science, which is what I love about them. And it's the science of healing with infrared light, PEMF therapy, and red light therapy. My favorite all time product of theirs is the PEMF mat. Now, that stands for Pulsed Electromagnetic Field Technology. And it sends electromagnetic waves through your body at different healing frequencies to promote your body's natural recovery process. I use my mat every single day when I'm answering emails, scrolling TikTok, or doing my daily meditation. And I combine it often times with my red light face mask. And my red light face mask helps me fade my acne scars and rejuvenates my skin. I am such an advocate for this brand, you guys. I It's unreal that I get to partner with them because truly I love all the products on their website and I seriously encourage you guys to give them a try. And of course, I have a little discount for you guys, 15% off. So all you have to do is go to the show notes, click the link in the show not, notes or the link in my bio on Instagram or TikTok, And when you go to check out, don't forget to put in the code ALCHEMY, that's A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, ALCHEMY for 15% off.